My guest today is Tyler Russell, an independent filmmaker out of Austin, Texas. And I met Tyler at the Austin Screenwriters Conference and uh, just a good guy. And he was, uh, I was meeting lots of great people. He introduced himself. We were chatting about film and he told me about his, his movie, Here Comes Rusty. And just a great premise. He's going to tell you about it in the interview, but just, just a cool guy. Just very friendly, just someone that, you know, you meet someone out there in the world and you just know that vibe, you know, all right, this is somebody that, that I'm vibing with and that we have a lot in common and similar energy, you know, it's all about energy. But I met Tyler down there at one of the, one of the parties and just, you know, great conversation. And I wanted to continue that conversation. And that's the cool thing. That's why I've created conversations with Calcaterra to have those conversations, continue it, to record it. And to be able, you know, to enjoy that years down the line and share it with others. So that's what I'm doing with the show. Tyler's kind enough to spend an hour with me and uh, we linked up online via the interweb. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So his producing partner was a guy named William Ross Smith and someone that was really passionate about independent filmmaking. He was a farmer, had his own business, and it was something he really wanted to tell this story. So Tyler talks about how Ross met him, how he was just out of the blue through a referral, and then the two became friends, the two became collaborators, and then shortly after the movie was finished and it was premiering at the Atlanta Film Festival, uh, Ross passed away. He had a, had a heart condition, and uh, it's just when you lose a collaborator, a friend, you know, everyone knows that you in filmmaking is like these people become your family. You're these co-creators are, you know, that their, their spirit is in line with your spirit. And so it's, it's tough. So I, you know, towards the end of the interview, I asked Tyler about that and, you know, he was a bit choked up, but uh, I think he, he gave a good tribute to, to his good friend and collaborator. So I'm, I'm happy to bring this interview to you. And uh, hopefully when, uh, when the film is released, he's working on distribution. Uh, we can get something going in St. Louis and maybe in Nashville as well uh, with all my all my friends in Nashville, everyone in St. Louis, and have screenings and help this guy out. And it's he has Fred Willard in the movie, and, and we talk about Fred Willard. He's legendary in the comedy scene and in film, and uh, it's somebody that you'll immediately recognize. You too can be recognized by wearing a one-of-a-kind piece of jewelry from master craftsman Kevin Blumenkamp. Filmmaking is a collaboration, and you too can experience the art of creation by teaming with Kevin to create your one-of-a-kind piece. He'll work with you to craft something that is unique to your personality. Give him a call at 314-346-6498. You may have heard of the next sponsor when he was a guest in a previous episode of the podcast. If not, go check it out and hear the amazing music he creates. Ben Sturgill is launching the Music Box Experience and creating some incredible new music which reflects a higher consciousness. He is currently producing an album with his brother in Augusta, Georgia, but is looking forward to getting back on the road next year. This Nashville-based recording artist is looking forward to an amazing 2017, and you can be part of the journey by going to bensturgill.com and signing up for his mailing list. Then jump on over to Ben Sturgill Music on Facebook and help him win a spot on the Jimmy Kimmel Show through Guitar Center's Songwriter 6 contest. Once again, that's Ben Sturgill, and I thank him for sponsoring Conversations with Calcaterra. So before I get to the interview with Tyler, I'm going to play a little clip 
from uh, the trailer of Here Comes Rusty so you can hear a little bit of what it's about. Once again, thank you for listening to Conversations with Calcaterra. Please join me on social media. Ken Calcaterra is my name. You can find the links on uh, the show page on SoundCloud. Uh, You can link up to me, uh, Facebook, Ken Calcaterra, Ken Calcaterra Visual Storyteller. The links are on SoundCloud, so you can can easily find me. KenCalcaterra.com is my website. You can find me there as well and find uh, you can link to some of my work and the social media. So thanks again to Tyler Russell. Here's a clip from his great film, Here Comes Rusty. Why don't we do what good old boys do? I bet I win the Magnolia Derby this Saturday, I get the track. Here comes Rusty. You win, you get my used car ranch. Let's make a deal. Save the day. God bless America. Tyler Russell, how you doing tonight, my friend? Doing good, Ken. How are you, sir? Wonderful, wonderful. It's good to be talking with you via the interweb. Yes. The so what do you? Is now. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Just the different technologies, everything that. Growing up watching sci-fi, it's it's here. It's here. It's 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 cool. A little crazy at times, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, the good thing is we can communicate. You're in, uh, are you in Austin right now? Yes, I am. Cool. I'm, uh, I'm in my little studio space in St. Louis, so it's, it's really cool to, you know, this easy connection. Yes. So what have you been up to, man? What's, uh, life is crazy right now? Yeah, uh, we just had a premiere uh, at the Atlanta Film Festival last month. Um, I think it's been less than a month. But uh, that was crazy leading up to that and getting everything ready for that. But we had a, a really good turnout there and uh, talking with people, selling the movie right now. And producers are doing a good job taking care of all that fun stuff. And, uh, you know, us freelance guys got to move on. Yeah, always, gotta always keep pushing. Yeah, have to hit those bushes. Always, always have to find the next job. Mm hmm. So as far as the movie's concerned, the audience uh, is not that familiar with it, but uh, here comes Rusty. Tell us, what's what's the premise of the film? Uh, it's about a dog track owner that falls on hard times, and he has to make a bet with the one person in the world he would never want to, uh, who is his brother-in-law, uh, played by Fred Willard in the movie. And uh, they make a bet on whoever wins the next dog race, wins the other person's business. So you have uh, the dog track versus a used car ranch. And shenanigans ensue. Which is fantastic. And in watching the trailer, which I'll put a link to the show page on uh, on SoundCloud, and people can link that through iTunes and everything else, wherever the show is. It just reminded me. Seeing the trailer, I kind of, I kind of felt the Coen Brothers vibe and thought about the, uh, the old Zemeckis movie, Used Cars. Not, not just the fact that it was a used car dealership, but just kind of the vibe of it. It seemed like the the characters were just it had that kind of quirky, not really shysters, but you know that those those <laughs> independent business owners. It's like scraping to do anything they can, and that's their world. And and just from seeing that trailer, I felt like, wow, we're really really a part of this world that they're in. 
exactly what <laughs> what about the dog track i mean is there is that something you grew up with uh, going to dog tracks or anything why why a dog track uh my producer and uh one of the writers he's also an executive producer they had the the whole idea um of the movie and um they called me to kind of put it together and direct it and uh also wrote the movie with them um but that's kind of where the whole idea came around was the dog track and uh colonel bruce hampton who's the main character in the movie uh they were the ones they always wanted and that's kind of where it all began uh i guess they always thought it was funny to put those two together which it is funny if you know (laughs) bruce um but that's kind of where that all began and then just ran around there. But there is a, you know, there's, there's the dog track is a, it's a great point for a story just cause there's so much going on. There's a lot of history in it. Um, I mean, there's, there's a whole lot of moving parts that people really don't know about, uh, you know, with that sport. So it was, it was interesting digging deep into it and I really enjoyed it and a lot of good people around it that run dog tracks and uh the greyhounds are beautiful animals yeah definitely what a lot of times with indie filmmakers it's you you're right around sometimes what's available or, or what you know and just in writing did you guys have a dog track in mind or was this something you had to scout and find we had to scout and find it um we we didn't want it to look too new and we didn't want it to look well there were a couple of dog tracks that we were looking at that were literally falling apart and we couldn't bring the crew in. Like they wouldn't even let us go inside of it cause it was so bad. Uh, which, you know, I, I was all about and I was like, Oh, this one looks great. Like It's falling apart. And they're like, yeah, it's literally falling apart and you can't go inside. Uh, cause we're not going to get sued. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good idea. Um, but no, uh, we shot the movie in Mobile, Alabama and it was at the, uh, the Mobile Greyhound Park, and that place was just, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better spot with better people because they just had their arms wide open to let us in and help us with whatever we needed. Uh, and the whole city of, of Mobile was exactly the same way. That's a big thing. You were just talking about indie filmmaking. That is, if I can give anybody advice, is like, you know, go talk to the film commission in a place, in a town, in a city, and ask them for help because they will knock it out of the park. If you find the right people and you're indie, I mean, it's like, that's your best friend. And that, yeah, that's a cool thing. The, the allure and the magic of film and just seeing, seeing that location on the screen, seeing, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. And it's one of the things I don't think a lot of people realize the blood, sweat and tears that go into it. Cause it just, when watching something on, on the screen it just always appears so easy it's there it's this great story here's somebody i know or here's my location and so yeah to get that to get people behind that 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 can embrace the chaos is is pretty amazing it is That's pretty yeah. cool so you had the script they the they brought you into it did they have uh did they have part of the script written or did you guys start from start from scratch um, it was a mixture. I mean, they, they had a great script that they were starting on and um, we kind of just took a different spin on it. Um, but I mean, it's one of those things where 
you know, when you're on an indie level, and just like you were saying, I mean, you forget how hard it is. Um, a lot of people, you know, just watching a movie, when you don't have millions and billions of dollars and you don't have, you know, this or that, it, it, and, and you're trying trying everything you can, you know, you're working 10, 10 uh, different jobs on a crew or, you know, you're, I mean, for me, it was like I had probably three hours of sleep every night um, for months and just trying to get it ready and just hoping everything will work out and, you know, things, things will happen on set and you got to make it work and uh, some great things will happen and, you know, you, you just can't plan for, but I mean, that's, that is where the word movie magic comes from. And I can't really imagine that kind of movie magic on a big studio movie. I've worked on some big movies and it just doesn't seem magical. (laughs) (laughs) It just seems like, there we go. You know, it just, you're getting paid and it doesn't feel like this felt like a family and everybody had so much fun. I mean, I've never had seen a crew smiling ear to ear and like, I mean, we never went overtime. We never did anything crazy, and we just had a lot of fun. And it's you know, ninety degrees outside, and everybody's sweating their balls off. And they're like, "You you want this? You want that?" I'm like, "Nope, we're good." You know, and that's that's a good sign. That's a good sign. Yeah, that's that's great. So the fact that you didn't get what was what was the length of your days? Was ten hour days, twelve hour days? Um. We could not go over time uh, for budget. And then we also had um, a minor on set. So for a couple days, and then we also had Bruce who's um, we didn't want to work him too much. He had just gotten off the biggest tour in his life uh, to do this movie. And it was really the only time all the actors schedules lined up uh, correctly to do this thing. So uh, we wanted to push it. We wanted more time and then we just didn't have it. And, you know, that's part of it. That's filmmaking. You know, you, you got to do it. So it was literally shoot the movie, make it happen, or it'll never happen. And, uh, you know, my producer, uh, Rolf Smith, who uh, he passed away a couple months ago, um, he was totally into it and was like, you know, we're going to do this thing. And when you have a producer like that, you can't ask for anything more. Yeah, definitely. It's good. The collaborators are important. And, and sometimes those long days, you know, I'm glad to say I, I was thinking like, well, yeah, we didn't go into overtime, but our, our regular shooting day was 16 hours, but we never went into overtime. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, <laughs> that's what I'm going to put. Yeah, guys, we're not going to go in overtime. We're going to be working 18 hour days, but we'll be good. Uh, but yeah, there, there's something to be said about that, having everybody on board and feeling that ownership and feeling that it, we're a part of something and, and wanting to to take it to that next level. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. So you talk about we'll get to the crew, but let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Colonel Bruce Hampton. And uh, this is you know this is the first that I've ever heard of him. So I was able to read read a few things and doing the research for this. And uh, one of the things that he, one of his claim to fame or. I don't know necessarily claim to fame, but as far as movie making, uh, one of the blurbs that I had read is in 1996, he stole a scene from Billy Bob Thornton in Sling Blade. So I didn't realize it's been a while since I saw that film, but he's uh, 
he's a part of Sling Blade. Is that yes. one of his first roles? Yes. He actually, uh, Billy Bob called him on set when we were shooting the movie, and I made him hang up because we had to go. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> he hung up the phone. He looked at me and he goes, "I can't believe I just hung up on Billy Bob Thornton." And I said, "Well." You gotta do what you gotta do, man. You, um, you no, but yeah, ship, he, my friend. Yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. no, no nonsense on here comes Rusty in a Tyler Russell film. I'll, I'll keep that in mind uh, if, if I ever get a chance to play a role in one of your movies. Um, so yeah, so he did. He had a role in Sling Blade, um, and yeah, I mean that's that's Bruce, man. Bruce has been in a lot of stuff. He he dabbles in uh in film and video and here and there and he's been on a lot of shows he just doesn't take a lot of credit for anything i mean bruce won't take credit for anything he's just such a nice guy um i mean everybody knows him i mean you can go anywhere in the jam band scene or anywhere in especially atlanta uh where he lives every single person knows exactly who it is um so yeah bruce is very very likable, very enjoyable. Um, great guy to be around. Is he is he a real colonel or is that just a nickname? <laughs> uh, no, it's a nickname. Uh, he grew up with uh, in a military family, and he was not in the military. And I think that that's where he got his name. Um, but there's a lot of uh, of great stories of how he got that name, who Bruce is, where is he from, what planet he's from, is he human, is he alien? Just like he's. Bruce is the most mysterious man um, in the world, and and when you meet him and you and he guesses your birthday before you even tell you tell him your name, um, you'll you'll see why. <laughs> Interesting, yeah, it's 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 cool these personalities like that. I have a friend, and uh, he's I uh, had a conversation with him on the podcast. His name is Pino Squilace, and he's an immigrant from Italy. And uh, lives in Nashville, an amazing drummer and percussionist, music producer. And he's one of those guys that when you walk, when you, when you go out of the town with him, everybody knows him. Is that, and is that, that, so you're saying that's Bruce in Atlanta? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Cause one of the things in, at the festival that I had read that uh, he received more applause, more applause than everyone when, when they introduced the cast and crew. I guess you had, you had a not only a screening but a, a party and a concert. Yeah. So after uh, we premiered the movie, uh, Colonel Bruce and uh, Brandon Niederhauer and Nikki Gillespie, a lot of people that are in the movie, they had a full blown show, which they brought in a ton of amazing musicians, and uh, it's a kind of a once in a lifetime concert. If you weren't there, sorry, hate it for you. Uh, we'll we'll have the video though. Hopefully, it'll be on the DVD. Uh, but it was incredible. So they played for over an hour after the screening. That's and cool. It's, it's one of those things. Where Bruce, the way he plays now is, um, you know, he'll sit uh, sit on a chair and he'll have the guitar in his lap and he'll just rock out. And I mean, it, it's like <laughs> you just can't help but smile ear to ear when he's playing, and he's just so into it, and it just the music. It just everything about that guy and and what he brings to the table, just such a likable guy. Um, I, I think if you didn't have a clue who he was and he came and played, I think you'd fall in love instantly. Very cool, and it 
So when you you um you inquired with him to, to for the lead role, or you you gave him a call, or one of your producers gave him a call. Uh, now apparently he gets a lot of calls for roles in various indie movies, um, Hollywood movies. I mean he's he's one of those characters that that I guess you'd say is in demand for for these types of roles. What uh, talk a little bit about how it was he. In the article that I read, he said he had turned down a lot of roles, but when one of your producers had talked to him, he felt he felt this vibe. He felt that I should do this before even reading the script. Yeah, um, Ross Smith had been talking to him for years um, to do this movie, and uh, Ross was a big fan of him. Um, so, I mean, uh, as soon as they got on the phone together, I think they both kind of became bffs <laughs> so they would talk all the time and uh ross would check up on him and bruce would be like how's the movie going and so finally and, and bruce has told us he's like you know i didn't i never imagined the movie would be what it was uh, he's like i thought it would be something crazy i could tell stories about and he's like but it still was something crazy i can tell stories about but just not that way you know he thought it was going to be um somebody brings an iphone out and taped to a tripod or something, you know, just something crazy. Cause, uh, Ross was a farmer in Arkansas too. So that, that was another thing that really made Bruce want it. He really wanted to do it because just how weird it was, you know, cause Bruce embraces the weird. Nice. So at, at the time when you guys were in production, Ross was, he was still farming in Arkansas. Yes. Okay. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Uh, I mean, he, he had been trying to get this thing going for years. Yeah. So he, uh, that's his, his business, his family's business. And, um, so yeah, he was definitely doing that as much as he could up until the movie. And then we had, um, I think two or three months, uh, for pre-production. Nice. Nice. Okay. So then he, so he's farming up until, up until the movie. And then you guys, how long was your production schedule? Oh boy. Uh, we shot the movie in 14 days. Nice. So it was pretty crazy. We had two six-day weeks and then two extra days. Um, I'll never do that again. <laughs> six-day weeks are terrible, especially for an indie movie. You need to prep as much as you can between weeks. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 14 days, that's that's uh, pretty short. Oh, it was... We had a lot of complex stuff in the movie. I mean, we have, like, a full-blown dog race and a lot of different locations and steady cam shots and lots of dolly. I mean, we, it's just a lot of complicated stuff. Thank God we had a professional crew and a great cast. Yeah. There's a lot to, a lot to be said about hiring people who know what they're doing and, uh, having a budget to do a little bit of that. And then you, you and you were at 12 hour days. Is that, was is that the standard on the film? Yes, yeah, so we had to wrap, you know, long enough to where the wrap time would end up at 12, so we couldn't go over. So, yeah, 12 on the dot. Wow, you guys were jamming. Yes. <laughs> the setups were crazy. That's cool. I don't, I don't know the exact uh, setups for day, but I know that we were rolling. Well, sometimes you just get in there and get it done, and now you have now you have a feature. Is this Is this your first feature? This is my first feature. Very nice. And up until that point, how uh, how how many shorts did you put together? Um, 
I don't know. <laughs> uh, I did a lot of uh, commercials, music videos, and uh, short films, and I worked on a lot of movies and other TV shows. So I've been dabbling around for about, I think, eight or nine years. All right, so that um, you you put that experience in, into play. Yes. Very nice, man. Very nice. And tell me a little bit. So, so how did you first meet Ross? Uh, Ross gave me a phone call, and I've been, I talked with him for a couple of months about the the script and the idea and what we needed to do. And um, him and the other writer Pierce, um, we just everything seemed to work out, and so I went out and met him. I didn't even know him. Uh, and wrote the script together. How did they? Uh, how did they find you? Um, they got my name from somebody else, uh, from a buddy, I think, and um, I don't know. I think they had like fired two other directors. Like they were they were looking around for somebody. So I got I got my name in the hat. Thank goodness. So it worked out. Life's kind of crazy. So you get pulled in, and um, yeah. Very cool. I mean, that's that's the industry, though. It's like, you know, the more you know, yeah, the more the, people you know, the better. Yeah, definitely. Contacts are so. I mean, no matter what you do in life, the the contacts you have are so important. And then, uh, you know, hopefully that one has the skills, which you, apparently you have. You finish this great film to uh, to back it up. So that's fantastic. Um, so they found you. They gave you a call. You you were. Your name was in the hat. You started writing. How is it? Were you guys in different cities when you were writing? Were you able to to get into one room, or were you just doing this remotely as as we're doing here with this conversation? We we did it remotely for a little while um, until we felt solid on the outline, and then once the outline was locked in, then we all went out and we uh, wrote the script together. So we met up, and we ended up going to, to Florida. And sat on a beach house and wrote the whole thing as quickly as we could. And, uh, you know, after we got the rough draft of it, we it was constantly changing and just making sure that things were going the right way for, um, you know, the story and the little things and location and the actors and actresses that we were bringing in. So you just got to be on your toes for an indie film. Yeah, no doubt. Now, how... Um... As far as it's let young writers out there, in case there's any young writers or any inspiring writers who are listening to to this uh, particular show, what explain the importance of an outline because that's something that it seems, and, and I'm guilty of this, in the early days, it, it's one of those things where, oh, yeah, let's just get in there and start writing. And it's so much easier with an outline. It seems like the pages, it, it flows once you know what the plot is and know what those what those beats are, it just it seems how much easier it is to fill in in the gaps and flesh it out. I mean, when is this something you learned early on, or where, when when did you start writing? No, I I agree with what you just said. I mean, um, when did I start writing? I mean, have you since I was a little kid. I mean, you know, it's just like if you write you write in school, you write essays, you get a free write, you write something crazy, you know, you just write. That's the only way you can get better. I think is just keep writing. Just write, 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 yeah, it's write. It's a creative muscle. I need, I need to write more. I'm kind of, if I, 
look at my writing skills. Yeah, I'm kind of a kind of a slob right now. You know, but it's just like out of shape and this and that. So I need to I need to get on that writing treadmill. Not that I was ever like in like this athletic writer, so to say. You know, like this her, yeah. you know, he man writer. But uh, yeah, exercising that muscle is so important. Uh, how often, daily? What? What's your regimen for for keeping that skill set sharp? I would just. I mean, everybody is so different, and everybody takes differently. And I don't know. I I can't. Like I feel. I something about me. I feel bad if I don't work in a day for at least like an hour. So like me taking a day off, I can never really take a day off. I have to take a notepad with me or something, you know, <laughs> go home to see my family like every few months and I still have something with me or I'm like, you know, writing ideas on my phone. Like you just got to You never know when the inspiration is going to hit you and where you're going to have a good idea or something funny happens around you and you're like, Oh, that would be perfect for this tv show or this movie idea i have or whatever so it's just always being on your toes um i think it's a really good thing to have because i mean once you slow down somebody else is gonna run right past you um and that's just kind of the way it is in the world i mean you know if you're gonna take if you're gonna take time off you better double it up you know one way to avoid taking time off is to avoid back pain Sitting at a desk writing long-term, it can affect your spine in perverse ways. One of the ways I try to keep my spine in proper position when I'm at the computer is to use a, a yoga ball chair. Not sure what Tyler's process is, maybe a standing desk, which is a great option. To keep my spine properly aligned, I visit the offices of Dr. Mark Holland and his associates. With five St. Louis metro area locations, I can get the help I need no matter where I'm freelancing. Unless, of course, it's an out-of-town job. I just went to the St. Charles location for an adjustment and a massage, and it was great. A little sore now, but my body will be all the better. Find Dr. Holland at mystlouischiropractor.com or at chiroandrehab.com. Now back to Tyler Russell on his creative process. I guess I can tell you how I operate, Ken. Is that what you want to say? <laughs> yeah, man. Give me some inspiration here. Give me, give me this little nugget. So, uh, yeah, I, I need that magic, that 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 just that that secret. The secret. The there secret. is no secret. Me, uh, you just gotta work hard. There's no you secret. Oh no. Bust your ass. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's hard being a filmmaker. Um, it's, it's hard to be on the indie level, and you just gotta make it work. And uh, if if you get comfortable, then your work's going to suffer. I mean, you can look at some of the movie uh, directors or writers that have, you can see when they're getting comfortable and they're not working as hard as they used to be. And they're looking at their script and they're going, oh, yeah, I wrote that script. <laughs> That's my name on there. And when you do that, it's just not good. It's not a good idea. But if you can look at your work and you can say, okay, you know, it's something and you come back to it a week later and you read it again and you go, okay, yeah, this needs to change. That looks good. Um, and just being honest. And you got to realize that everybody's going to have a different opinion. So if you are going to collaborate with other people, you know, listen to each other. And I'm like shaking on this right now. My voice is shaking because I'm just thinking about it. It's like, I want to write right now talking about it. Um. <laughs> Very cool, man. I like that. Collaboration. Yeah. That's a, that's a big help for writing for sure. Yeah. And that's one thing that I, you know, I, I've, 
ha- you know, had few collaborators that just really you're. I don't know, it's a feeling that you're in sync with and you know, wow, this is good or this is, you know, feeling this. And and granted, with anything, it's it's work and there's times you're not going to feel it and you just have to have to create, keep creating until something clicks. At least for me, that's, you know, at times I'm looking at, at work and I've, I've done a lot of documentary projects, nothing feature length yet, but still, you know, exercising that creative muscle. But there are times when it's just like, oh, this is just so bad. And then you just, you know, it's just like you get that, that clay. You have that. You're sculpting it and you keep chipping away. You keep forming it. And then eventually you have something. And it's kind of like, yeah, you know, this is kind of good. So I don't think I'm ever satisfied. And I I heard a quote once. Uh, it's like, what's, what's your best work? And it's like the next one. And uh, I don't know. I think maybe that's maybe that's what you're talking about. That it's if if the next one's always the best, and you're striving for that, then then uh, maybe you don't have those comfortable moments, and you have that that work where somebody's like, "Yeah, this movie kind of sucks," or this is this is another <laughs> you know another thing that I've seen. Okay, I've seen this one again. Let's you know let's see something original. Mm-hmm. I think that happens in Hollywood. It's just kind of like let's put out the same thing. All right. Well, we know this this get, gets by this franchise, so we'll put out another version of this. And sometimes it just maybe not as appealing as the original. Yeah, I mean, and, and you've seen some some superhero movies. I'm not going to name what they are, but you've seen some recently that have such a big writing flaw that anyone that can listen to words or you know can speak English knows what the problem is right do you know what i'm talking about i didn't i didn't say the one i think i know what you're talking about i didn't see um but i've heard a, a lot about that and uh but did you two see movies two movies that are pretty similar yeah <laughs> Just... yeah I mean, we can say it by name if you want nah we're good all right, all right. We'll keep it that way. Yeah. The second of those two movies I just saw with my nephew last week, and I thought it was, you know, it was decent enough. A um, little long, but, uh, you know, I didn't mind it. It was it was kind of fun, but probably not something that I'll, I'll see again or have a themed podcast on. And we had a we had a theme podcast on Star Wars, and I, I thought the new Star Wars flick was, was pretty good. I thought it was well done. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was fun being immersed in that world, and uh, yeah, yeah, I thought it was, uh, you know, they did a good job with that, and it, it looks like, I just saw the um, uh, the trailer for Rogue One, and that looks that looks really cool, that you're bringing us into a world we already know, into a scenario that has been referenced in episode four, and then now we're getting to see what's, what's going on there, see these these pilots, these rebels who, who captured the plans. And yeah, it's that, that looks like a lot of fun. And I, I like the fact that they're going they're they're using that universe and they're creating new stories within this, this vast universe. So it's not just like, we don't have to see this, even though they're doing well with the, the characters that we know and a lot of us love, it's, you know, they're taking this universe that everybody in this, certain age group well really i mean any any more anybody that's alive that's maybe i don't know 70 or under has seen star wars and took their kids to it at one point so it's yeah i, I think they're doing a good job overall what are, what are your thoughts about that franchise 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, they, they've had so many writers and books and uh, comics, video games, everything around Star Wars, and there's so many great stories in there. I mean, I think they can keep doing this for, I don't know, another 30 years. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and if they do it right, I mean, there's just, just looking at that at the lore of it, yeah, they're it'll be good to go with that. Um, so I, I just want to see uh, shadows of the empire. That's all. What, I'm not familiar. What is that? Shadows of the empire. I, you know, I'm, I, I read the books, but I, you know, the, the, some oh, of the books man. back in the day, but then I just got caught up in other things, man. So I'm, I'm not familiar. Shed, shed some light. Maybe, I mean, uh, some of the audience may be like, man, you're an idiot. You don't know that. But others so, may be like, Whoa, Tyler, tell us, we want to know as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great story. Good book. Uh, Dash Rindar is the main guy. He's a pretty big Star Wars name. Um, they had his spaceship in, I think it was Return of the Jedi. He had a cameo, so it flew away on Tatooine. Okay. Um, so that's a little, I believe that's where it was. No, maybe it was, episode, mm, I don't know if it was in the old ones or the new ones. can't really remember. I know that it, it, they had the ship in there. Um, so anyway, I'll, I'll let you, uh, yeah, I'll, I may have to check Shadows that, of the check that one out. Shadows of the Empire. It's also a Nintendo 64 game. Okay. Shadows of the Empire. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember, <laughs> I, I remember seeing that game. Yeah. Yeah. I read That's the main guy, the, uh, I forget what the trilogy was called. This so one of the early trilogies and I think it was Steven Zahn. It was like heir to the empire. It was, uh, the, I think that's the same writer. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I think so. I got the book in the other room. Uh, I don't know. You have to check that out. I like that trilogy. But he fights, he fights like IG-88 and Boba Fett and a bunch of other people. And so it's, it's cool seeing all that come to life. And then the way uh, he ends up teaming up with like Luke and Leia and all them. So you'll have to, you'll have to see. All right. I'm going to check it out and then we can talk about that at some point. So, but but I want to talk about the lore and the world of Here Comes Rusty. Okay. Uh, so, okay, so you wrote it. You're going into production. Now, one thing that's cool when you talk about um, just interesting people, and, you know, a lot of times, like somebody like a Colonel Bruce Hampton, I would call an original. That's that's my term for somebody that that just has that just, just interesting character that, like, you're just like, yeah, there's no one like him. So... In in my book, you have you have another. I mean, somebody that I've met. I don't know well, but uh, and, and correct me on on how I'm pronouncing his name. But Mike Mark Bochard, Bochard, Bochard. Okay, yeah, gosh, Bouchard. Bouchard. Yeah, the yeah, gosh. <laughs> so, but Mark is he's another original. And if a lot of the audience may have not know this movie, you know, he created. Uh, it was a short, right? Coven was a short. Yes. Okay, and but there was a the, the greatest thing. So he makes a movie Coven, called Coven, actually. Coven. Yeah. Okay. Coven sounds like Coven. It's part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but the cool thing, the, the coolest thing coming out of that, they make a documentary called American Movie, and it was how he was just his struggles to to create this short because it took him a number of years, right, to do that. Yes. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen American movies, so I'm glad you're you're up on that one. But uh, so so Mark, 
I don't know. At, at the point of American movie, I don't even think he had he had his his short finished at that point. No, he was trying to shoot Northwestern as a feature. It was another movie, okay. and then that fell through. So then he decided, okay, well, I'm going to go finish Coven. Okay, that's right. And that's the fun of a conversation, you know? It's like, I don't have to know it all. We'll just get, <laughs> we'll just get the juices flowing. We'll f- figure out what's going on. So, yeah, he was, I mean, it was real interesting. When we talk about filmmakers, have your crew as a family, he, in fact, had a lot of his family, his crew. His uncle is is hilarious in the one scene where, He's in that truck, and he's just—I forgot his line, but it was just like it was just kind of really eerie. It's all right. It's okay. He's just loving you anyway. Or God, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's just—I recommend to everyone listening see American movie. Maybe at some point we can chat, chat with Mark. And I—it was funny. I met Mark uh, around the time that was on the festival circuit. Oh, I think that was probably like 1999 or 2000, something along mm-hmm. those lines. So he was uh, at the St. Louis International Festival, which we have a, a great festival. I'm sure by the time it comes around again in October, your film is going to have distribution, and we'll be able to see it in theaters or in other other venues, which will be really cool. I'm looking forward to seeing that and having the listeners see that. But I was helping a friend on a student film, so I had some audio gear. Not a lot of people uh, at that time, and I don't know if he even anymore really, you know, audio is not like camera it's not not sexy like a lot of the other other jobs but I, I didn't mind so like hey let me let me take care of audio for you and I see this friend of mine who is at the festival he's the guy that's taking Mark around he's like I guess host I guess you could say and I was always joking with this friend of mine he was an indie filmmaker as well and every time I'd see him on the street I'd kind of yell his name his name was Dave McCann and be Dave McCann like he was famous and so, so I, I do this and I go up to him, you know, just say hello is our inside joke. And then I, and then, so since we've done this joke so many times, I just run off to go finish this film and it, no big deal. And Mark thinks that he totally blew me off. He was like, man, that dude wanted to interview you and you blew him off. It was hilarious. And he was just like this, he was just like this chilling dude. You know, I don't think he was stoned, but he kind of had that. He kind of, he's just like, yeah, man, what's up? <laughs> he seemed like a cool guy, you know, somebody that would be interesting to know. How was it working with him, and how did you get him involved in Rusty? Um, I did, I, yeah, okay, so I was going to say I didn't know Mark back then, but I know the Mark now. And I imagine the Mark back then was a little crazier uh, just from the movie, you know, and from what I know now, but um, – I, it started as a joke uh, when we were writing the characters, Ron and Oren. I was like, "Hey, you know, it'd be really cool as if we could get uh, Mark Bouchard and Mike Shank from American Movie as the two guys." And my producer's like, "Okay, I'll call him tomorrow." And I'm like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, it's real funny." He's like, "Yeah, I'll call him tomorrow." Uh, and so basically, the next day, he plays a voicemail. And it's like, hello, uh, Ross, this is Mark Borchardt. <laughs> I uh, got your info, and I'm looking forward to reading your script. So anyway, he had the, the voicemail from Mark Borchardt, which blew my freaking mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, God, it was like Christmas. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a no-brainer. 
getting Mark in. Uh, Mike uh, was the other one we were thinking of, and he couldn't do it. And um, then we had uh, Theotis Crane, who did an incredible job um, for that role. Uh, but now Mark is one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life and the most thankful, caring. I mean, he was – everybody loved him on set, and everybody wanted to be around him. Um, and he's just, you know, he pays attention to everything and, and helps everybody when they need help. And, uh, he's always writing, constantly writing and just positive, positive guy. Uh, I can't say enough good things about him. That's cool, man. I'm feeling like a slacker. I mean, you're always writing. Mark's always writing. I've never really considered myself a writer, but it's, I have to I have to step it up. I have to, I have to start doing something. <laughs> oh, come on. No, all kidding aside. But, yeah, no, that's that's totally cool, man, that it's just fun. It, like, he's a cult figure. So, yeah. yeah, to get somebody like that. And it was cool, and I encourage everyone to uh, check out your Facebook page for Here Comes Rusty because there's just some cool videos in Atlanta with Mark hanging out and – coming down there and there's just you know cool pictures from the premiere and just i think even there's uh I'm, you may have a little video on there with colonel bruce performing so that's uh yeah it's cool man i'm glad to, you know social media is so great that we can you know i can experience this from afar mm-hmm. so yeah that's really cool An- another cast member that you had who's legendary is uh fred willard how <laughs> How'd you go about getting Fred? And if, if the audience doesn't, or if the listeners may not know, Fred Willard is in a number of the Christopher Guest mockumentaries. Uh, Best in show, he he was one of the announcers, and it was kind of like for St. Louisans. He, in essence, I, I think, was channeling Joe Garagiola, who back in the day had uh, was, was announcing some of the Westminster uh, Kennel Club shows on television and it was just it it was just bizarre you know he's, here's a guy that doesn't doesn't know anything about dogs and he's just and he's just coming up with this off-the-wall stuff and and fred willard is you know is that character in in best in show what what is who is he in uh here comes rusty uh fred plays matt Hofstadt, which is uh it's pretty much the antagonist in the movie um he's the brother-in-law of dicky He's Colonel Bruce, and he wants to win the race no matter what, uh, even if it's to hire two capers uh, that are a bunch of goons uh, to try and rig the race. Uh, but he goes out of his way to give Dickie hell, and um, just a, a probably one of the most lovable bad guys. And and that's the interesting thing about him. He's always he's kind of this condescending character. So he is he is so charming, but he he always he always has ways to rib the you know the other characters and whatever he's playing because generally he he is kind of that character that that antagonist and yeah I mean he does it so well. Mm-hmm. And now one thing that um, I found interesting and it was it was fun doing the research for this. But and, and Fred is what, in his 70s? Yeah. And one thing that I had read that he was always wanting to, to give another take or do it a little different way. How, how was it working with somebody? Was that that imp- improvisational background of his, that, 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 that spirit of improv? Yeah, I mean, Fred was a pro 
I mean, he's, he's, yeah, like he said, he's legendary. Um, just super easy to work with. If I had any notes for him, he would just completely nail it the next take. Um, uh, usually, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to hold my breath, uh, watching the monitor when he was going at it because <laughs> it's so damn funny. Uh, but I mean, even the day, like when we were outside and it was like a hundred degrees out on the asphalt, um, at the used car ranch and he's riding around in his, uh, horse headed Segway, which is part of his character. Um, you know, I would say, what do you think? And he's like, uh, let me, let me go again. And he comes out with a completely different spiel and it's just like, yeah. So we, we had a couple of, uh, improv moments that he did an incredible job and, um, he, he would throw in some lines sometimes and they were just perfect. I mean, he's been doing it forever and he knows comedy, he knows where to throw it in. And so timing for him, I mean, that's something you can't learn. You can't teach. I mean, I mean, you can learn it, but, uh, he's got a gift, you know, and you that's, develop it. You just develop that kind of time. Yeah. That's why he's Fred Willard. You know, that's. That's why it was so amazing having him on set and just watching him work um, because, yeah, like I said, super easy to work with, fun, exciting, just it's like, oh, there's Fred Willard. Yep, and he's uh, riding around in a horse-headed Segway. This is pretty cool. So <laughs> It's funny. One of my, in, in one of my notes, I have Fred Willard on a Segway. Why are Segways so funny? <laughs> <laughs> They're just they're just so goofy. It's like they're kind of cool, but but not. I, I don't know. It's like seems in movies like Job in. Uh, oh, now I'm blanking on. Uh, oh, damn it! Yeah, I'm I'm totally blanking. Arrested the Paul Development Ward movies. Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. God, I forgot that. Yeah, yeah. It's just he's it's just so goofy. <laughs> he's playing this macho character, and uh, and then he's but he's on this this segue and just it just seems i don't know it just seems like you could just knock people down so easily on those it just yeah i don't know paul maybe that's what it is maybe it's like because it's so clean and smooth and it doesn't make any noise you know it's it's not like a motorcycle you know where it's just like it's just like it's anti-american we we can't have those kind of things here in this country (laughs) (laughs) Oh, let's see. I'm looking at, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, Horsehead, I mean, what a what a touch there. Yeah. <laughs> now, who, uh, as far as that, I'm sure that was, who, who came up with the concept of a horse-headed Segway? I did. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah, but but um, originally it was going to be more of a cartoony style uh, horsehead, just a super obnoxious, ridiculous one. Um, but we got in contact with a guy who he does a bunch of like really, really amazing, uh, I guess horse artwork and it's just like horse related stuff. Um, I don't want to, I guess I don't want to like dig too deep in what he does. Cause I don't want to say it wrong. Um, but he, he had worked on like, um, Oh my God. I can't even think of the name. Uh, the movie, the horse racing movie. Give me one. Oh, uh, just sea biscuit. Yes, there you ah, go. Good, good, good. Sorry, good. I'm glad. All right. We're both not Dude, remembering things a, today. It's yeah. great. <laughs> he had done a bunch of work on Seabiscuit and other movies uh, with horses and stuff. And so gave him a call and 
he was like, this is the idea. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's try that. And then when we put it up there, it was so strange because it looked so real. <laughs> so, I was like, okay, this is, uh, this is even better than what I imagined. And that's when, you know, you trust your crew, you trust your people working on it and they put out amazing work. You know, you just, you're not a drill sergeant. You're like, no, it needs to be like this. It's like, no, I mean, somebody's got a great idea. Let them try it out. Yeah. Don't, I mean, that would be advice that, that I would give as well. Don't micromanage and allow, allow your crew and your collaborators to interpret the work and then come up with, because if somebody's good and somebody's creative, they're going to come up with something great like that. And uh, it's not nothing what you were thinking, but it just fits and it just feels right. And that's, I think, so much of a director um, is is that feel, just knowing what feels right and going with it. Mm-hmm. Very exactly. Cool. Very cool. Now, uh, also, so with Colonel Bruce, he also um, featured in the in the film. Is uh is Brandon Niederauer? Did I did yeah. I say that right? Yes. Oh, I get one right. So Taz is his uh is his nickname. Now, does he play regularly with Bruce, or is it was this something that came together for the film? Um, I believe they were on the jam cruise. Um, they were somewhere playing music, and and Taz showed up and started playing, and Bruce it just blew his mind, and so he was like, "This kid." has got some kind of like free talent that, you know, I think he wanted to see if it was real, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, Brandon is, is one of the most talented musicians I've ever seen or heard or been around. I mean, he's just, uh, it, it, it's not going to happen for a very long time for something in his caliber. Um, but, you know, Bruce saw the talent in him and I think, Brandon knew it was there and his family knew it was there and his family is just incredible supporters for him and they push him and um, you know Brandon loves it I mean you see him any picture of him playing or any show of him playing he's just killing it Um, and so Bruce kind of I guess took him under his wing and showed him to the right people and uh, you know all of a sudden Brandon's on the school of rock on Broadway and he somehow winded up and here comes Rusty. That's cool. So he was in school of rock on Broadway first. Uh, no, right after he filmed, I think, I think he left in the middle of shooting to go do rehearsals with them. So, okay. Very cool. So it's like, he had this great credit on my indie film and, uh, it opened opened doors for him. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's that's very cool. It's just, it's 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 really cool to see that you have you have so many interesting personalities, and it's it's like all the backstories behind behind everyone that was involved. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's nice to have that experience. And it's you know we get back to the film crew being like a family, and it's almost like that uh, carnival family. It's just you know everybody's it's these creative people and it's very nomadic and that's pretty interesting. No doubt about that. And looking at, let's see what else, uh, looking at what was the most exciting festival moment? How many festivals has, has Rusty shown in at this point? Well, we've only done it at the Atlanta film festival. That's the only one we've done so far. Yeah. We've kind of held off on what we're doing. Just kind of, uh, making sure the the distribution side goes well. 
great. And you're on the cusp of, of distribution? Yes. That's fantastic. Yeah, I guess some people go to many festivals and uh, and that never happens. So, mm-hmm. yeah, congratulations on that. I mean, I know once it's not it's not done till the ink's dry, but that's that's really promising to hear that. Thank you. And then one thing I, I find really fun, uh, which hopefully we can use the image of the poster for the thumbnail for this conversation for this episode of the podcast. But mm-hmm. uh, who who designed your poster? It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, JT Lachesi, hope I said his name right. Uh, he does a lot of stuff for jam bands, and uh, we wanted to get the whole feel, you know, because we have a lot of jam band artists in our movie. Um, but he just he took the whole thing and made it and it's yeah i could not be happier with it it looks incredible um i have one in my in my living room so i love it very nice man yeah it's good it's you know the artwork of a film is so important because a lot of times that's that's the first thing every everyone's going to see whether it be in the theater and uh you know that on the queue on netflix uh so yeah i think you guys as far as I'm concerned, you guys hit a home run with that one. Thank you. Um, now, a lot of a lot of indie, you know, people look at the film industry and they see even even those that aren't as familiar, but a lot of people have the idea of tax credits. Now, you shot in Alabama. Was there was there tax credits to help you out, or was this it, the the fact that the location and the friendliness of everyone there did that kind of kind of outweigh things what uh i mean what are your feelings on that how'd you benefit yeah, how I mean, didn't you or what what could it, you have done differently it all works together um it, it definitely all works together if you can i mean you got to know how much you're going to spend in the movie and then you got to see you know what's smart what how big of a gamble you want to make because especially indie it's a gamble you know there's no guarantee on anything i mean um I can't think of, I think there's just a bajillion ways that your movie could like never see the light of day, you know, and there's only a small percentage that the movie is going to see the light of day. So you finishing a movie, that is a massive accomplishment, period, you know, like regardless where it goes and, and who sees it and who cares and people like it or people don't. I mean, just the fact that you're bringing all these people together to shoot something and to make one story happen when most of them, you know, they've never worked with each other before, or it's just a different scenario altogether. And you got the weather and the locations and the actors and the crew and you hope the cameras and electronics work. And you hope that, you know, the computer doesn't explode and you lose all your footage or you hope that all the actors don't get into legal trouble or, you know, or you hope that the check goes through, you know, it's just like, it is so hard to make a movie. It is so damn hard. And uh, <laughs> thank the Lord we finished ours and got it done. And we have people that believe in it. Cause I mean, anybody that makes a movie now and they've got something bad to say, I, I, I drill them pretty hard. <laughs> I'm like, Hey man, <laughs> it's controlled you know. chaos. It's and it's, it's inevitable that something in this business, in the business of motion pictures, that something's going to go wrong or not work out, and it's 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 inevitable. So it's just a matter of how quickly you can uh, shift gears and and correct it. So it's uh, I commend you, man. That's it's an amazing accomplishment. 
Thank you. Yeah, really fantastic. Um, just talking about that and the patience that's required as well. Um, I mean, you feel you're a patient person. Just, I mean, just. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. No, I'm not. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe that that element was your uh, your producers. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to know when to be patient. I guess you know you can't be. I mean, <laughs> you gotta make you gotta make things happen, but you don't rush. Yeah, definitely. Sense. Yeah, you can't be hooting and hollering. Yeah, you have to keep ever. keep the wheels turning, but you have to stay on the road as well. So it's yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, cool. You were saying tax credits. Uh, Alabama has a great tax credit going on right now. Uh, I believe it's somewhere from twenty-five to thirty-five in that range. Oh wow. Yeah, so highly recommend going there. Their film commission's amazing. Um, they've got a good crew base, great locations. Uh, I think a lot of people are starting to flock there, so get it while it's hot. Yeah, the South is. Yeah, the South seems to be the place. Uh, Atlanta's hot right now. Louisiana, we were talking about that at one point. Is that that's cooling down a little bit? Uh, I just saw an article where they say they're going to cap it, like they might just X the whole thing, the whole tax credit. I have no idea what's going on with them. I just know it's been going downhill every year. Gotcha. Yeah. It, it yeah. shifts. It shifts. We were talking, you know, one, one time Michigan was hot for that. Uh, another time, I think North Carolina was a hotbed at one point. It seems like it kind of, kind of shifts. And I don't know if it's a, like a 10 year period or a 15 year period. And then it's like, you, you hear the next new plays. Um, but that's that's good. You you were able to capitalize on on some of that tax credit in Alabama. Yes. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, that's that's a thing where it comes into play of how much you're spending and um, you know what's the gamble. You know, I, I keep saying that it's really important if you think about your investor or whoever's putting in the money uh, for the movie, um, people or, or whatever. You know, however you got it going on, but. You know, do you want to go somewhere and get 10% back or do you want to get 30% back? You know, that your gamble all of a sudden becomes a lot less when you have that. And, you know, if that, that money could go straight back into the movie uh, to help a couple things if you need it, you know. So I, I think it's really important. And I wish all these states uh, could see that. And, and some of them I really wish they would. Um, just the importance of, you know, trying to give a little to get a little back. Uh, because, I mean, advertising, I mean, all these movies, you know, you get one movie that goes worldwide and that's such great advertisement for the state and the city and the people around, you know, because you, you have to use locals. You, you can't just go to somebody's state and get their tax credits with using all your people from out of town. I mean, that's just ridiculous. You know, so everybody wins in my in my book, I mean, I don't know how the studio movies are are using the tax credits. I can't really say. I haven't seen that firsthand. But for us, I mean, we had, oh, I don't know, way over 50% local. I would say probably around the 70% range. Nice. Yeah, I, I think one of the issues is lawmakers, legislators, They, uh, it, it seems to maybe make more sense to them a brick-and-mortar type thing because it's like, well, this will be here where, you know, that may not, you, you have brick and mortar, but do you have someone, do you have a business that's that's going to reside there? Do you have a business that's going to generate that income? So it's not, 
not always the case, but yeah, I think, I think, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of short-sightedness or, or maybe there's just not enough people in the industry, especially the independent industry that are lobbying for that kind of thing. I know Mm -hmm. in Missouri, there's groups that are, that are, you know, that are putting some pressure on or trying to, to let them know, in fact, that, yeah, it does bring money in, but I just don't think there's enough lobbying power there because it's hard to get get time to talk to anyone. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're a big company, it's it's just like you automatically, you have a seat at the table from the get-go. So that's that's politics for you. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of want to end on a note. Um, you had, so you dedicated the movie to, uh, to Ross Smith. Um I mean, how is it having a collaborator? I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I've, I've had that in my life. One of my close collaborators passed at a young age. I mean, that, that's kind of tough. How, how, how does this movie embody who he was or, or is, you know, in the, it's looking at the spirit, you know, somebody that creates something like this. I, I think their spirit is always with you. Look, if, if I, could go down the way he did i would do that any day i mean he got to do what he always wanted to do and he made it happen he got to see the movie he knew we went to atlanta um and it's the most inspirational story and it's going to carry i'm going to carry it my entire life and uh all the people around me i mean everybody knows the story now so i think i think that's touched so many people and I think it, you know, could potentially have saved a lot of people's lives too. Uh, just, just seeing that, you know, you, if you if you go for it and you work for it, you can get it. And, um, you know, it, it's uh, there's there's a great side to to everything, and um, you know, it's terrible that it happened, and uh, it's still, you know, it's still going to hurt for a while. Um, but the the positive side is so positive that it definitely outweighs any kind of negativity um, on the whole thing. And uh, everybody that knows him can see all the small things in the movie uh, that he brought to the table. And yeah, I mean, this is uh, it's his. You know, it's dedicated to him for a reason, and um, it's what he always wanted, and got exactly what he wanted. And yeah, it's... can't really say too much else. I mean, it's just uh, yeah. The guy, uh, I mean, he was a great guy and uh, made a movie. You know, a farmer made a movie. When does that happen? (laughs) (laughs) What's great, it's great that he's able to have that legacy and and leave his imprint and his energy in this creative work. So when everybody goes and sees it and sees his name at the end, they'll, they'll know what it's all about and they can listen to this and know a little bit uh you know hearing your voice what he meant to you this is pretty amazing man it's pretty amazing to have those kind of people to, to collaborate and and have had those kind of people in our lives so I, yeah i definitely know where you're coming from there and and yeah it's not much more to say but uh where can where can uh where can listeners find out a little bit more about the film i know you have an online store where you have some cool swag mm-hmm. um just go to the Facebook, go to the here comes rusty Facebook and, uh, tag along with that story. And, uh, it'll be out soon. It'll be out this year and we'll have it out. And, uh, there's the website. We have the here comes website and that's going to be all your info. 
um, to follow on the movie. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a newsletter. Uh, just go to that Facebook. Good. I'll put links. And then what I'm, what I'm trying to do with the, with the show Facebook page is kind of share those links from, from the show alums. So just to, you know, hopefully create that energy and let people know what's going on from people who I find really interesting. Uh, what, what are you working on next? Uh, a lot of stuff. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Lot, lot you and me things. both. You and me both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be great. Cool. Well, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, and uh, and then we'll just keep everyone posted through social media. You know, if you have some news, shoot me a note. Uh, we'll set you up in the the little group I have with conversations with Calcaterra. But I, Tyler, I can't thank you enough. It's been great. It was amazing meeting you down in Austin at the. Uh, screenwriters conference and i'm glad we're able to have this conversation i'm able to learn a little bit more about who you are thank you ken friends colleagues mascots what happened while i was gone i mean now the place it reeks of cats and old corn dogs you don't have to worry about doing the books anymore. Are you broke? Are you gambling again? Sorry we don't sell wheelchairs here. <laughs> Might want to start after I break your legs. Oh, come on. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Why don't we do what good old boys do? I bet. I win the Magnolia Derby this Saturday, I get the track. Looks like I'm finally going to be king of this town. Here comes Rusty. You win, you get my used car ranch. <laughs> Let's make a deal. I need you fellas to help me fix a dog race. Uh, you want us to kill dogs? I do that, no problem, sir. Oh, no, I, hell, I'm not gonna kill anything. I think we have a shot tomorrow. Another shot over here for this guy. Do not touch the ding-dong, sir. Get your hands off the... You'll get hand charges all night, aren't you?